Welcome to this Bible Center Church Core class. We hope that this in-depth teaching of God's Word will challenge you to grow in your knowledge of Him and help you become a disciple who makes more disciples. Joining us again here with our core classes here at Bible Center Church. Again, my name is Pastor Mike Graham. I'm in charge of our discipleship and multiplication. And I love being able to present this content to you. It's coming out sort of in conjunction with our membership statement of faith rollout. So as we go now into talking about the work of the Holy Spirit in salvation, there's a couple points from our statement that I'd like to read to you. This is in section E under point two, which is the work of the Holy Spirit. This is B and C discussing how He works in salvation. It says, The Holy Spirit regenerates, indwells, and seals believers in the body of Christ at the moment of salvation until Jesus returns. Point C, as our counselor and helper, the Spirit enlightens and guides believers in our understanding and application of God's Word. He continually renews, leads, fills, assures, and empowers us to love and obey. Those are good statements. All right, so as we jump into this, one of the first things we have to think about and realize when it comes to the work of the Holy Spirit in salvation is His deep, intimate connection to the Word of God. Okay, so we're going to, I just said that, but we're going to kind of work into what that means and how how I got to the place where I feel comfortable saying that. So we're at session two. It says the work of the Holy Spirit in salvation. This is God's Spirit and God's Word. Ephesians 6, 17, which is a section on the armor of God. And in the armor of God, most of the armor is described as defensive armor, a helmet, a belt, a breastplate, uh, a helmet. But at the end it says, dot, 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 and the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. So I want you to make the connection that he just made there. The sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. So it's, it's this Word is the only offensive weapon that we're given. So even though it's written words on pages, it's called the sword of the Spirit. So it just feels like a book. But when the Bible talks about itself, when Paul describes this written word, it's called the sword of the Spirit. Why? Because the Spirit of God is active in and through these words. It's not the Word of God is over there and the Spirit's over there. No, it's the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. The Word is the offensive weapon of the Spirit. The Spirit is active in the sharing and receiving of God's Word to the accomplishment of exactly what the Lord desires and the purpose that He intends. When we go to Hebrews chapter 4, verse 12, it says this, For the Word of God is living and active and sharper than any two-edged sword and piercing as far as the division of the soul and spirit from both joints and marrow, able to judge the thoughts and intentions of the heart. So even that description there of soul and spirit, within Scripture you see basically the soul and spirit are basically the same thing. It's hard to distinguish between the two. When we die, does our soul go one place and our spirit go someplace else? Frequently in Scripture, we're mostly described as a physical being with with a spiritual component. And that spiritual component is usually soul and spirit kind of as one thing. Point being is that the Word of God is so sharp that it can break apart things that are not intended to be broken apart, like joints and marrow. Thoughts and intentions? How do you distinguish between a thought and an intention? They go together, okay? But the Word of God is so sharp, and it can go into the, the deepest part of who we are, 
that it can separate things and give us wisdom and clarity in what's going on in our hearts, in our souls, in our minds. So how is, so go back to the beginning of the verse, how is the Word of God living and active? So this is just a book. This is a book that I wrote, and these are just words on a page. There's nothing about my words that I wrote that jump off the page and make them living or active. But when it comes to the Word of God, these words are called living and active. Why are these words, they're also just written from, this was made and produced in a company and published. This was published. Why are these living and active and these aren't? The difference between the two is that the Spirit of God, God the Spirit, works in and through these words to make them come alive. They jump off the page. They do exactly what God intended because God is involved with the writing of the Word of God, the preservation of the Word of God, the learning of the Word of God, and then the applying of the Word of God. So it is living and it is active. It is through the work of the Spirit that the words jump off the page and are applied to the heart, to the mind of the believer. The Word of God is always accompanied by the power of God because, the God, because God the Spirit is always present. So here's something that blew me away the first time I saw this list. I had a friend of mine that showed me this a long time ago, and I never connected these. So listen to this and hear the connection points between the Spirit and the Word, how they function in such a similar, similar way. In John 16, 8, it says the Spirit convicts. In 2 Timothy 4, 2, it says the Word, the Word of God convicts. Revelation 2.17, the Spirit calls. 2 Thessalonians 2.14, the Word calls. In Galatians 5, it says the Spirit produces faith. Romans 10, the Word produces faith. It says the Spirit gives life in John 6. It says the Word gives life a little bit later in John 6. It says we're born again of the Spirit in John 3. It says we're born again of the Word in 1 Peter 1. In 1 Corinthians 6, it says we're washed by the Spirit. In, first, in Ephesians 5.26, we are washed by the Word. I'm just going to read the descriptions. You can look up the verses on your own. It says we're sanctified by the Spirit. It says we're sanctified by the Word. It says we're justified by the Spirit. It says we're saved from wrath by the Word. It says we're made free by the Spirit. And the Bible also says we're made free by the Word. We're strengthened by His Spirit, Ephesians 3, and we're strengthened by His Word, Acts chapter 20. So we are saved by those things. So we see the Word of God and the Spirit of God functioning together in such a powerful way where both of them are accomplishing together the same thing. Conviction, salvation, faith, life, sanctification, the washing, of, the washing away of sins, being born again, justified, made free, and strengthened. The Spirit of God and the Word of God work together to accomplish those amazing things in your life and in mine. Next page. At the top it says, in conversion and sanctification. The Spirit convicts the world of sin, John 16, 8. This is true for the non-believer and the believer. The Holy Spirit effectively reveals both the holiness of God and the sinfulness of man. So when it comes to salvation, the first thing that needs to be pricked is our heart and our mind, realizing that we have sinned against a holy God. It says here that's the Holy Spirit that does that. It also, he also, the Holy Spirit, plays a role in restraining sin from the world. He convicts the world of sin, and he also restrains a certain amount of sin within the world. 2 Thessalonians 2.7. That's an interesting thought. So often, we're frustrated with God. God, why'd you allow this to happen to me? 
Why did you let allow this evil thing to pass through your fingers into my life? We're forgetting the fact that we have no idea how many things God is restraining from your life, how many things he's holding back that could have hit you square between the eyes, but because of his spirit restraining evil in the world and in your life, he has saved you from so many things that you're completely unaware of. So when you and I sometimes get frustrated with God, realize it's us getting frustrated, having no idea how many things he's protecting us from because his spirit is restraining sin, which is wickedness. And that equates to pain and suffering in your life, in my life, and in the world. Without intervention, man rejects the things of the spirit. Okay, so if the spirit of God doesn't prepare man, he rejects the things of the spirit. In 1 Corinthians 2.14, it says, But a natural man does not accept things of the Spirit of God, for they are foolishness to him, and he cannot understand them because they are spiritually appraised. So unless the Holy Spirit does a work within someone to prepare them to hear the Word of God, to interact with God's Spirit, they just won't do it. The efficacious work of the Word of God comes through the work of the Spirit. And it is the hearing of this spirit-filled word that is necessary for salvation. In other words, I could go out and just read the pages from this book, from God's word. I could just read them. But if the Holy Spirit doesn't act, if he doesn't do something, then nothing happens. Because it says, unless the spirit of God is at work, natural man will not accept it. 1 Corinthians 1.18 says that the, the gospel is foolishness. The cross is foolishness to those who do not believe. Those who don't have the Spirit, who haven't been prompted by His Spirit, the gospel looks like foolishness. You and I look at the power of the cross and we say it's the most beautiful thing. It makes so much sense. My life has been changed by it. Without the work of the Spirit in that same person's life, they look at it and they say, foolishness. Foolishness. So it's the Word of God empowered by His Spirit that makes a difference. So we see that here, okay? So there's the Spirit, and the word in the saving of people. Romans 1.16 says the gospel is the power of salvation for all who believe. Where does the power come from? It's the Holy Spirit going into action through the words of God into the hearts of people. Romans 10.14 says, how shall they believe in him whom they have not heard? It goes on to say, how beautiful are the feet of those who bring good news. It's designed this way by God. God wants us to bring His Word to people. And then when we bring His Word to people, if the Holy Spirit acts, they come to salvation. If the Holy Spirit doesn't act, they don't. Romans 10, 17. So belief comes by hearing, and hearing by the Word of Christ. So the Word of God is necessary. The Spirit of God is necessary. John 3, 3-8 says, we must be born of the Spirit. And this only comes from the Spirit. You can't birth yourself. That was kind of the point that Jesus was making with Nicodemus. You couldn't birth yourself physically the first time. You can't birth yourself the second time by the Spirit. You need to be born of the Spirit. It only comes from the Spirit. It is those who are born of the Spirit that look on Christ and believe. Titus 3.5 says, He saved us, not on the basis of deeds that we have done in righteousness, but according to his mercy, by the washing of the regeneration and renewing by his spirit. So we are not saved according to this verse because you've done good things or I've done righteous things. We're saved by his mercy because the Holy Spirit has washed us 
and regenerated us and renewed us. It's the Holy Spirit at work, oftentimes through His Word, to change us and to save us. The Bible goes on to say that we are sealed with the Holy Spirit at the point of salvation. Ephesians 1.30 Securing our salvation till the day of redemption. When we see Jesus face to face, the Holy Spirit is the one who sealed us and lives inside of us until that moment, that day when we see Jesus face to face. Every Christian has the Spirit now until that final day. So, what does this mean in our relationships with the people that we love, especially those who don't know the Lord? It means a couple of things. One, it is important for us to gently reference things that we know to be true from God's Word about their life, the holiness of God, decisions that are made, their need for Him. But we need the Holy Spirit to go into action in their heart and their mind to see any transformation or change. So we pray for them and we ask God to work in their hearts as we share the Word. So the Word without prayer, the Word without the Spirit, is not nearly as effective as the Word asking God's Spirit's God's Spirit to choose to act in the hearts of the people that we love. Now, prayers don't control the Holy Spirit, but God calls us to pray for the things that we long for and the things that are according to His will. People bowing down to Him and worshiping Him, that's according to His will. So faithfully pray for people who you want to see come to know Christ and then present God's Word to them gently, clearly, over time in a relationship where you're both demonstrating His love and communicating His love. So it's fun to see the Holy Spirit at work we see him interconnected with the Word of God. The Word of God convicts people because the Spirit's involved. The Word of God saves people because the Spirit's involved. And then we see the Spirit at work in conversion and sanctification and in our sealing, him being in our life, in our heart now until the day we see Jesus face to face. What a beautiful reality. So next time we're going to get together and we're going to talk more about the work of the Holy Spirit in the life of the believer. How does he grow us, change us, and transform us over time. That'll be a fun discussion. I'll see you then.